Welcome to Inspire Church's podcast. We're excited you're listening. Our hope is to inspire you to grow in God's Word, to grow more in love with Christ, and to go be a light wherever you are. To find more teachings or donate to the ministry, visit us at inspirechurches.com. This morning, um, I'm bringing you a message that I've titled, Cultivate the Crave. Cultivate the Crave. You guys ready for that? Cultivate the crave. Let me ask you this. What, what do you crave? Is there a certain food that you crave? Like I can eat this any time of the day. It don't matter what it is. I can eat it. I'm always craving it. I don't know what that is for you, but you know, for me, it's usually anything with pasta or noodles. I can have that any day of the week or sweets. I'm a huge, I have a huge sweet tooth. Give me a piece of cake, something like that. I am good. I am good. What about, what about this? Uh, did any of you guys have have like a favorite dish from like your parents or your grandparents and nobody else makes it like them. You know what I'm talking about? You know, it's like, you know, grandma's spaghetti or something like that. Or, you know, I don't know, uncles enchiladas, whatever it is. Like, is there a, is there a dish that is like, yes, this is how my mama made this how my grandma made and no one else makes it like that. Right. It's so funny how we sort of acquire um, appetites, isn't it? And it's funny how we will go to certain places and spaces because that restaurant or that home uh, uh, sort of feeds that appetite, right? And you're like, oh man, this restaurant's really good. Or I got to go to grandma's house to get that spaghetti, you know? We'll go to certain spaces and places because over time our appetite has really been formed. And what we are drawn to really sends us to those spaces. And this isn't just a physical reality, but also this is how the Bible likes to talk about spiritual maturity. And it uses sort of this appetite concept as markers if you and I are on a trajectory of maturing in Christ or if we are staying or retracting back to infancy. And to the level that you are growing will impact the level that you experience the presence of God. The presence of God. Here's the irony, which is this, that while on one hand, society puts more and more weight on what they call spiritual experiences, right? Everybody says, well, we just want a spiritual experience. Um, on the other hand, the society is becoming more and more dark and decaying. And it, it's never been more obvious for this generation here. And what I mean by that is every person that is in this room uh, that is watching or that is hearing this, it's never been more uh, obvious that you were made for such a time as this. Not our great, great grandparents, but you to be salt and light in a culture that is growing darker and decaying faster to be salt that preserves and light that illuminates. And the problem is this, is that most of you don't actually believe that. You believe that God can use somebody else impactfully or powerfully or transformationally, but, 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 but not really yourself. You don't really believe that. And part of the reason that you don't believe that is because you're not actually experiencing, encountering the presence of God. 
Now, when I talk about, when I say that phrase, experiencing the presence of God, uh, uh, you know, sometimes we have to step back and say, well, what exactly does that mean? What does that mean? Because I'm so, I'm sure that all sorts of images sort of come into your mind or feelings or adjectives come into your mind when you try to describe, well, what does it mean? Right? If I were to come to you and ask each and every person, what does it mean to experience the presence of God? Each of you would probably give me a different answer. And then how do you even experience it? How do you even experience? Well, this is where your appetite comes in because watch this, write this down. What you crave will play a big role in what you experience. What you crave will play a big role in what you experience. What scripture says is either you will grow in your palate towards the things of God or you will stay in infancy and dr- of drinking milk from a bottle. So before we go to the text where we're going to land today, I want to show you sort of this sub theme that we find throughout scripture. Is that cool? We're going to take a little scripture journey. Y'all ready for this? This will make up for all the scriptures that you didn't read this week. Okay. So you guys ready for that? All right. So check this out. Philippians chapter three, 18 through 19 says this, for as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Watch this. Their destiny is destroyed. Destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glories and their shame, their mind is set on earthly things. Check this one out. First Corinthians 3, 1 through 3 says this: Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I could talk to you as I would, or, or I'm sorry, I could not talk to you as I would to, to mature spiritual people. I had to talk to you though you belong to this world, or as though you were infants in Christ. I had to feed you milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger. And you still aren't ready. Now, these are Christians that he's talking to. You are still controlled by your sinful nature. You are jealous of one another. You quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove that you are controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like the people of the world? Wow. Or check this one out. Y'all ready? Hebrews chapter 5, 11 to 13 says this. There is much more we would like to say about this, but it's difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. You're like, pastor, what kind of message you bring this morning? Just, just wait. Look at this. Verse 12. You have been believers for so long. So these are pe- people that have been, le- they haven't been believers for a week, right? They, this ain't new. This is people been for a long time, long time, right? That you ought to be teaching others, but instead you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's words. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Now what's interesting about these rebukes is that in these rebukes there's a picture of us not maturing at the right rate. That's what the, the, the it's painting a picture of what it looks like to not mature at the right rate. But, um, but also what this re- rebuke does is it creates images for what maturity in Christ looks like. So not only is it showing you what it doesn't look like, but it's also showing you what it does look like. And so when we talk about cultivating the crave this morning, this is really what I'm talking about is the craving after Jesus Christ. In fact, Matthew documents Jesus putting it this way. Matthew chapter five, verse six, Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, 
for they will be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. See, this is what Jesus is not saying. He's not saying, I delight in you trying to be morally perfect. That's not what he says. Right? Let me take that message off of repeat in your mind and say that what God delights in is he delights in people who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Because if you rely on you being perfect instead of resting in Christ's perfection, if you rely on you always need to be the perfect person and perfect parent and perfect student and perfect Christian, then there will always be distance, check this out, between the proximity of his presence and you. Catch that? But if you can shift gears and instead cultivate a crave for righteousness, then you'll experience God's presence. In other words, you can write this down, to the degree you cultivate the crave is to the degree you experience the presence of God in your life. All right? So we're going to land on a verse this morning and we're going to kind of walk through this verse and see how it is that we do that. Is that cool? All right, so Psalms 63 is the verse we're at this morning. You guys ready to read? It says this. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up holy hands. My soul will be satisfied as with the riches of foods. With singing lips my mouth will praise you. On my bed I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night because you are my help. I sing in the shadows of your wing. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that as we begin to discuss what this is to hunger and thirst after you, that what, what, it, what it actually means to experience your presence, God. Well, what does it look like for us to grow in maturity and go from milk to meat, Lord? I, I pray, Lord God, that your spirit will illuminate the text for us this morning and that we will have ears to hear, minds to receive, hearts that are ready. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Okay, cool. So what I want to do is I want to sort of walk through this psalm with you and uh, really just sort of pull out three uh, features that I think this psalm shows us about our topic this morning. And, and really the three is this, is we're going to talk about the craves palate, then we're going to talk about the craves sensation, and then we're going to talk about the craves praise. That's where we're going, Okay. All right, so let's start with number one, the craves palate. Look at this. In verse one, it says, oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there's no water. The first mark of authentic Christian experience um, is a sense of, check this out, God's absence. The, the first mark of, 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 of having an authentic Christian experience is the awareness, the sense of God's absence. No, notice it's very important. It doesn't say, I am seeking you and then you'll be my God. Rather, look at the order. You are my God, therefore I seek you. See, the, the, the idea is this, is that the more you actually get to know God, the more you will seek him. 
the, 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 the more you actually get to know who Jesus is, the more you'll have an appetite for him, a craving for him. The seeking is always a result of having found him. Does anybody get what I'm talking about? Any Christians here who knows like when you, the more you understand who Jesus is, the more you learn about God, the more you experience his grace and his forgiveness and his mercy, the sweetness of his salvation, the more you get that, the more you have to seek him, the more you, there's something in you that drives you to have to have more of who God is. The Bible says the more you find him, the more you seek him, not the other way around. It's not like the more you seek him and then you'll find him. Rather, the more you find him, the more you will seek him. Jesus, when he talks about uh, Zacchaeus in Luke 19, explaining what he came for, he says, for the son of man is come to seek and to save. That's what is lost. Jesus doesn't say you are the moths and I am the flame. That's not what he says. He says this, he says, you are sheep and I am the shepherd. See moths go after, uh, they naturally go after the flame. But sheep do not naturally look for a shepherd. A shepherd will have to go and gather the sheep. Shepherd, sheep wander off. Shepherds go to get them. And so, the, and so to understand this is that the more you encounter God, the more you actually seek him. The more you seek him. And the reason why we wander off is because our craving in default mode is bent towards something else. This is why it has to be cultivated. In other words, all of your spiritual searching, all of the spiritual searching that you search for somewhere else in something else, all of that is trying to find a God who will let you stay in control. All other spiritual searching is trying to find a God that will let you stay in control. All other spiritual searching is trying to find a God who will, who will, who will not tell you, listen, you are utterly dependent on me. You need a savior. See, we don't mind having a spiritual experience that changes us as long as the change is what we choose and what we control. Get that? So all spiritual searching uh, is after some kind of God that'll kind, that'll kind of sort of, you know, help you over your issues or push you to your goals. But anyone who has an appetite for the true God, the God of power and of glory, of grace and of mercy, craves not your goals, but his. His. So how do we cultivate this crave. How do I train my palate? Well, there's a couple of things. First is this, is if you want to experience God, you first have to identify the God appetite suppressants in your life. The God appetite suppressants in your life. You know, those little pills that you take that kind of bloat you up, right? So that way you could feel full, right? There are, there are God appetite suppressants that you take that, 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 that what you need to do is you need to identify those. Now, in a general sense, what it is is sin. Sin is an appetite suppressant. Any kind of sin is actually going to destroy your appetite for God. But, but that's very, that, that, let, let me break down what I mean by that, which is this, Ready? Sin is often trying to meet the right need, but in the wrong way. 
One definition of sin is this, is that it is trying to meet the right need, but in the wrong way. The right need, but in the wrong way. In the book of Numbers, we see where God's people escaped out of 400 years of slavery and now are free. And they are on their way to what is called the promised land, which is a very fertile land that God promised his people. And God wants them to make that land their home. And so they're on their way and they're having to cross this desert. And at some point on the journey, they begin to complain and say how much they miss the garlic and leeks and even the fish back in Egypt. At some point, they were craving the Pharaoh's fish because they forgot about their father's faithfulness. They were craving the Pharaoh's fish because they forgot about their father's faithfulness. They craved Pharaoh's food over what was in their father's fridge. They, they forgot what it was that, that God just took them out of. Uh, and, 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 and they were in that slavery and bondage for years. And now that they're, and now they're free, but, but, but there's something that they're craving that's still back there because they forgot about their father's faithfulness. The food that is in their father's fridge. They forgot how Pharaoh's food never uh, will satisfy them, but only temporarily pacifies them. And here's why. Because truth and freedom is an acquired taste when you've been eating lies and bondage your whole life. Truth and freedom is an acquired taste when you've been eating lies and bondage your entire time. I don't know what, what is like an acquired taste for you. I know people say like wine is an acquired taste. Let me tell you what's an acquired taste for me. Vegetables. <laughs> Vegetables. One million, even today, 1,100%. It's a, I'm still acquiring the taste for vegetables, right? And, 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 and so they had forgotten about their father's faithfulness. They had forgotten about what was in their father's fridge. And in case you're here this morning, church, and you too have forgotten what's in your father's fridge, let me just remind you that it is full. And what it's full of is this enduring love and peace that, no, excuse me, that knows how to persevere and wisdom. It's full of grace and hope and healing. It's full of refuge and rest. It's full, but they forgot. They forgot. They forgot that not only is there a craving that will lead to life, but there is a craving that will lead to death. And they complained so much. They craved so much of the Pharaoh's food that God actually went ahead and gave it to them. He sent so much meat and so much quail because in the end, what C.S. Lewis says is this, is there'll be two types of people. One person that will bow their knee to God and say, God, your will be done. And the second person who refuses to bow and therefore God looks at them and says, your will be done. And so he let their will be done and he gave them more food than they knew what to do with. And look what happened. Look at this. Numbers 11 verse 33 says this. While the meat was yet between their teeth. Before it was consumed, the anger of the Lord was kindled against the people and the Lord struck down the people with a very great plague. Therefore, the name of the place was called, and you're going to have to help me with this, Kivrat Tava. Kivrat Tava. And this is what, and this is the name of it. You guys ready? It says they were buried there. And this is the name, the grave of, of craving, the grave of craving. 
It says, because they were buried there, the people who had the craving. See, you haven't been needing the wrong things. You've been getting them from the wrong places. You, you haven't been needing the wrong things. You've really just been getting them from the wrong places. You've been going to other things to kind of get that craving. And what it does is it suppresses your appetite for God. It suppresses your appetite for God. Let me just show you this really quick. And this is going to be my favorite part. But, you know, sometimes it's not just a pill that we take, right? But, but sometimes, uh, you know, I don't know about you, but... Do we have any snackers in the house? Do we have do we have anybody that loves to snack on some stuff? Let me see. We got some we got some Oreos, some Swiss rolls, some shrimp some shrimp uh, fries. What is this? Shrimp chips. We got some animal crackers. We got those cosmic brownies. We got these crunch crumb donuts. We got some chips ahoy. Some barbecue chips. We got some takis. And what happens, I don't know about you, but this is what happens to me is, is it's so funny is when we go to sit down to eat a meal, I actually won't eat that much. I'll get full pretty fast. And here's why. Because in between the meals, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm snacking. I'm snacking. And what I'm doing is I'm then suppressing my appetite for when lunch comes or when dinner comes. What's your appetite suppressants? What, what, what do you go to? What do, what do you go to for your source other than God? See, because these appetite suppressants, these snacks, what these represents are things like you have to have accolades for other, for others. This represents Pornhub at two in the morning, working overtime so you can try to feel good about yourself. Your Netflix and your Amazon Prime that you do over and over and hours and hours and binge and binge so you can forget about reality. The social media feed that you constantly are checking so that way you can see how you're doing comparing to others. The need to prove yourself. There's certain mentalities and behaviors. Like, for instance, if you're sitting down at a restaurant and you see that somebody got their food before you did, but you were there first, something inside you says, wait a minute, that's not fair. That's not fair. Wait a minute. I was here first. There's something within you that feels like you deserve. You deserve it. Right? How about this? Things you daydream about. What do you daydream about? In other words, when you have nothing else to think about and you go to think, what, what, what is, where, where does your imagination take you? Maybe it's to the dream house you want. Right? Maybe it's to a life. What would my life look like if it was rich and famous? Maybe you dream about what it was to be to be a CEO or, or, I mean, what, what, what is it that you daydream about? What is it that's consuming your thoughts when you don't have anything else to think about? What is your source? And so the first thing you have to do is you have to identify your suppressants. Identify the snacks or the pills, the little things that you take that suppress the craving for God. Number two is you have to give your palate the truth about God. After you identify, then you have to give your palate the truth about God. Look at verse two. Verse two says this. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. 
What he's doing is he's giving his appetite truth about God. And we have to do that. And the whole range, the whole range, we need to reflect on his glory, reflect on his power, take time in your day to reflect on his love. We see it in scripture. If you go back to the Old Testament, you see it described in the narratives. You, you go to the law and you see it delineated in the rules and the regulations. If you go to the New Testament, you see it embodied in Jesus Christ himself. If you go to the epistles and the letters of the New Testament, you see it expounded. What is it? What is it? It's his power, his glory, his grace, his mercy, his love. You read it and you read it and you learn it and you study it and you meditate on it and you reflect on it. You're giving your palate the truth about who God is. The truth about who God is. You say? Wow. The truth about who God is. And you say, wait, wait a minute. Uh, Pastor Roger, I've got to be a little bit honest with you. And, you know, when I, when I read the scripture, that's not really what happens to me, you know. Um, and you have to allow yourself to continually grow and inform yourself. And here's why. Because as you're informing yourself with the truth of God's words, then you're changing how you think of something. It changes how you think of something. And this is important. There, because there's a difference between knowing something and then thinking about something. Uh, in other words, you need to allow your thoughts to be informed and impacted by the truths of the gospel. You need to allow your thoughts. Why? Well, Craig Rochelle says this. Our lives always move in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Our lives always move in the direction of, our, of your strongest thoughts. If you put the gospel, if you put the truth of who God is, the whole range of who God is, if you put that in front of your appetite, then, then all of a sudden what happens, it begins to inform your palate and oftentimes information will lead to sensation. Information will lead to sensation. Number two, the craves sensation. What, what do you mean by this? This is a little bit difficult to explain, but I think nobody puts it better than Jonathan Edwards. He says this, he says, the difference between believing God is gracious and tasting God is gracious is, the, is as different as having a rational belief that honey is sweet and actually tasting the sweetness of honey. Do you see the difference there? There's a difference between you know some in your mind that honey is sweet because you've, you sort of know that, right? You've educated yourself, you've heard other people talk about it, but that's different than actually tasting the honey yourself. And so, and so if I were to ask you to explain God's presence, it's a little bit like asking you to explain the color red and blue to someone that's born blind. It's a little difficult. Because to some, they might say, well, when you experience the presence of God, you weep. Or you run around. Or you fall out. Or you get goosebumps. Or you feel electric. Or there's an overwhelming sense of joy. And that can be true. But this is also where we have to be careful and watch this, write this down, because feelings can be indicators of reality, but they should not be fabricators of it. Feelings can be indicators of reality, but they should not be fabricators of it. Your feelings should not be fabricating your reality. What I mean is this, look at verse two again. 
Where did he experience God's presence? He says, I have seen you where? In the sanctuary. See that? Well, what's he doing in the sanctuary? He's doing what he always does. He's cultivating the crave. Oh, really? Well, how's he doing that? Doing what he always does. Reading God's word. Praying. See, if you want to cultivate the crave, if you want to hunger and thirst for righteousness, you have to actively read and pray. Not passively, but actively. Right? (laughs) And when you do this, then things begin to strike you. For instance, how God never sleeps. Do, Do you know how awesome that is to think about? That when you're about to go to sleep, God remains awake, working for his good pleasure and for your joy. Do you know how awesome that feels? Do you, do you know how the, 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 the peace that you should sense when you go to lay your head down like that, even though you don't got it all figured out and you're not sure how tomorrow's going to happen and you don't know what next year looks like, but you serve a God who does not sleep, who is constantly working on your behalf. You say, well, Pastor Roger, that's great for you. And maybe you get all, you know, excited when you read that. But normally for me, when I read or when I pray, to be honest, yeah, it's kind of boring, right? In fact, you say, oh, when you heard me say, oh, listen, in order to cultivate your palate, you've got to read your Bible and you've got to pray. Most of you are like, ugh, are you serious? I always fall asleep. I don't know what it's saying. Yeah, lasts for about 30 seconds, right? It's so boring. It's so boring. Well, look at what Pastor Rich says this and what he calls normalizing boredom, normalizing boredom. We were at a, we were doing a uh, staff chapel and Pastor Phil brought this up and it was amazing. Uh, Rich calls normalizing boredom. Meaning that the praying and the reading of your Bible is seemingly uneventful. When you pray and you read, it just seems uneventful, right? This is sort of the opposite of sensation. It's, It's where you don't feel anything. You don't hear anything, right? And what you need to know is that's okay. That's what he says is that's okay. He goes on to explain because often we will define our experience by God only by our feelings, what we feel. And if we get to a certain feeling, then, oh, that means that God's presence is here. That's what he says. But watch what he says this. When you do that, he says this. You aren't worshiping God. You're worshiping your experience of God. Or in other words, your definition of what God's experience is like is what you worship. Now listen, I'm not against, I'm not saying don't cry. I'm not saying don't be joyful. I'm not saying don't get excited. I'm not saying don't get goosebumps. You can get all that and praise the Lord. But what I am saying is it doesn't have to. That doesn't equate it. You don't have to. You know what I'm saying? My great grandmother used to say this. She said, listen, when you take a tea kettle and it starts to boil, it whistles and it shouts. But if you go to an iron, just because it's not whistling, don't think it's not hot. It's still on fire. Right? And that's the reality. That's the reality. Now, I, 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 mean, I mean, I love it. I love it. Be the first one. David comes up here, gives a certain key, a certain drum, and I'll be the first one to cut a rug right here. Praise the Lord. I love a good old praise break. I love a good old praise break. Maybe I don't know nothing about praise break, but that's okay. I love it. I'll be the first one. 
But what you need to understand is if in your mind, if how you define God's experiencing God's presence, and if your definition of that is, well, it has to equate a feeling, then you're still immature. You're still on milk. You see? Well, how, how, do, you, how do I know if, if I'm doing that? Well, this is how you know. When you stop praying and reading because you don't feel anything. That's how you know when you're worshiping your version of God's experience more than God is when you stop praying and reading because you don't feel anything. But see, what David is doing is he's saying, listen, I saw his glory and his power where? In the sanctuary. What's he doing in the sanctuary? The normal thing he does every day. Every day. Could seem almost mundane, almost routine. But as he continues these practices and these rhythms, it is there within the practices and within the rhythms that he sees the glory and the power of God. He gives this great explanation um, where, you know, if you have somebody and uh, there's this daughter who's taking care of her mom and, and they had to put her mom in a care facility and her daughter goes and spends uh, every day with her. Every day. She quit, she quit her job uh, between her and her husband. They realized, okay, I can, we can financially make it and I can go and I can be with my mom. And she's with her mom every day, day in and day out. She goes to the care facility in the morning. She leaves the care facility at night and she's there to help care. The nurses are there. She's there and she's doing it day after 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 day. And then her sister from across the country flies in to do a visit and she hasn't been able to see her mom in over two years because her sister works a, a very uh, uh, pressing job and, and she has kids that she's trying to raise. And, and so she just hasn't been able to. She comes in and when she comes to the door, there's crying and there's weeping, there's hugging. And it's a long crying and long laughing and long hugging. And from the picture of it, you would think that the daughter that just flew in somehow had this deeper relationship with the mom than the one that was there every day because there isn't crying and this exuberance of emotion. Oh, but my friend, who knows the mom in and out? Whose relationship is actually deeper? The one that's there every day. Visiting, reading, Caring every day. And through reading and praying, you're informing your palate. And information will lead to sensation and a sense of being filled. And this is the promise that Jesus makes in Matthew. He says, those who hunger and thirst will be filled. Will be filled. This is what growing up in Christ means. This is what maturing in the Lord looks like. When you hunger and thirst after righteousness, when you go from milk to meat, because then you not only understand the crave's palate and the crave's sensation, but then it expressed, ready, point three, the crave's praise. Amen. The crave's praise. Point three. Look what he says here in verse three. He says, because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. Look, look what he's saying. He's saying, he's saying why, why is his lips glorifying? Why is that? Because what he's saying is he sees something. He's thinking out something. And because he sees it and because he's thinking it out, that therefore his lips begin to praise. 
See, when you begin to preach the gospel to yourself, when you say, I have something that is better than anything else, and and when you start saying, the reason I'm not excited, the reason I'm not happy, the reason I'm not confident, the reason I'm not in joy, the reason I'm afraid, the reason I'm bitter, the reason I'm angry, is because I don't see the gospel. But when you begin to meditate on it, until meditate on it until your lips begin to glorify him. Sometimes it takes 30 seconds. Sometimes it takes 30 days. Sometimes it takes 30 months, but continue to do it until your lips begin to glorify Jesus Christ. And then what happens is what you'll see in verse eight. He says, my soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. My soul clings to you. But your right, your right hand upholds me. As the worship team gets ready and they begin to play and we begin to land this message, my soul clings to you. My soul clings to you. See, that word cling in Hebrew isn't, isn't really what we think it means. Because to, to sort of cleave, to, to, to cleave means to obey. It means to keep on obeying. To keep on obeying. Look what Tim Keller says. To cleave means to obey. Cleave means to keep on obeying. Cleave means the exact opposite, uh, the exact opposite seeking to have your feelings filled up with him. That's what it means. In other words, what it means is when you begin to tell yourself the truth about God and when you begin to look at who he is and you're reading and you're praying and and your lips begin to glorify him, then you begin to cleave to him. And what that means is this, is that I'm going to obey him no matter how I feel. That's what it means. I'm going to obey the Lord no matter how I feel about it. See, that's where maturity begins to come in. This is where you know you're going from milk to meat. This is how you know you're experiencing God's presence is because what you're saying is, listen, I may not feel like doing this today, but that's okay. I'm going to continue to serve the Lord. I may not feel like I'm happy, but that's okay. I'm going to keep praising God and thinking about what he's done for me until it comes. That's okay. I may feel weary or depressed or isolated. I may feel upset or bitter. I may not feel all these wonderful emotions, but I don't need my feelings. What I need to rely on is the faith I have in Jesus Christ. And I will keep obeying. I will keep obeying. And therefore, watch this, watch this. As you understand who God is, as you understand his steadfast love, as you understand that, when you understand his steadfast love is better than life, then there's not going to be anything else better than that. Therefore, you would never have any conditions on your obedience. Well, God, I'll obey you if. That won't happen. That won't happen. In fact, did you notice where, 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 where this whole place, is, uh, this whole psalm is taking place? He says this, that it's in the desert where there is no water. How are you getting filled in a desert where there is no water? How is he doing that? In the midst of dry and dead and difficult circumstances, what the Bible says is you can still be filled with the sweet honey of who God is. Even if you're battling cancer, 
Even if you're trying to figure out, you know, okay, what, what bill arrangement do I have to make this month? And, and maybe I can get 30 extra days here. And even when you're trying to figure out how am I going to talk to my kids? Uh, uh, I want them to follow Christ and they're just not doing it. And what am I doing? Am I a bad parent? And did I mess up? And as you're battling those tensions in your mind. As you're struggling and thinking about, is this really where I want to be? Or maybe for some of you, you're depressed because you're like, listen, I'm 20, I'm 30, I'm 40. And I thought I'd be somewhere else by now. I thought I'd be doing, I thought I would have accomplished this. Or I thought I would have had this. While you're living in those seasons of dryness, difficulties. When one circumstance and situation happens after another, after another. Even in the middle of that, you can be filled with the sweet honey of who God is. Are you tasting him? Do you just know about him or are you experiencing his presence? Where are you this morning? Have you become complacent and reverted back to drinking milk? Let me ask you this question and we're going to end with this. You guys ready? What are the appetite suppressants that you need to wean off in order to experience God's presence? What are, what, what are you going to to feed a craving that you need to wean off that, so that way you can start to hunger and thirst after the righteousness of God? Don't you know he's here? His presence is real. And you can experience it right now. Right now. Would you stand to your feet? As we begin to worship, this is what I want you to do. Can you just... The, 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 those appetite suppressants, those things that you usually go to, can, can you just begin to give those to God right now? And can you begin to see who he is, glorify who he is, and from your lips will you praise him? And as you praise him, as the truth of who God is is filling your palate, as you go from milk to meat, as you go from saying, listen, I don't need that junk, God. I'm sorry for going there. I'm sorry for letting my attitude get there so quickly getting so defensive getting so annoyed getting getting so impatient so quickly whatever you go to to just feel I'm sorry I just want to lay that down and I just want to eat off the truth of who you are thank you for joining us for this week's Inspired Churches podcast don't forget to share or subscribe to join us every Sunday you can keep up with Inspired Churches through Instagram at Inspired Churches or on Facebook at facebook.com slash inspirechurches. To support the ministry, you can click on the link in the description or visit us at inspirechurches.com for more information.